This is gold. Look at that. Andre, the man, the myth, the legend, taking a, taking a stroll through the catalog of ADSP. And that's why I joined NVIDIA. And I'll tell you exactly why. I want to mooch. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'll explain exactly what I mean by mooching. Welcome to ADSP, the podcast, episode 68, recorded on February 15th, 2022. My name is Connor, and today with my co-host Bryce, we interview Andre Alexandrescu. This is part one of a two-part interview. Perfect, perfect. All right, so you were saying that uh, you went back and listened to a bunch of the episodes. We'll cut this up, so just so you know, I I put some polish. We cut things in and out, but um, what were you well, going to say? Um, first of all, I should let you know that uh, according to Audacity, I'm getting into like a high green zone, and sometimes if I get too excited, I'm getting into the red zone. So maybe it's a bit loud. So I turn it just a little bit, uh, just a bit uh, quieter, if that's okay with you. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. I mean, I think I get into the red zone quite frequently. Ah, okay, good, good, good. good. <laughs> yeah, the odds that you're louder than Bryce are zero percent. So, so, fu- so fun story. Back when the the C plus plus committee would have face to face meetings, I became infamous for uh, my. Infamous. infamous. Oh, even though I know that's you work not on your... Infamous. <laughs> <laughs> this is going great. I became infamous for uh, how I would use my voice at the breaks to like announce that it was the end of break. <laughs> and like, I would just go out and I would shout in my loudest voice, like, break's over, get back to work. And um, I have been told by some people that <laughs> Towards the end of break, they like move to the opposite side of room of the they room. They wouldn't want to be there, yeah. They don't want to. Uh, they don't want to have any damage to their eardrums. Bryce's siren song, you know. Yeah, yeah. My voice, my voice goes pretty loud. <laughs> this is. I can tell. This is going to be great. This is going to be up there and in contention with uh, our Sean Parent episodes. Before, before we hang on, before before we we go any further, I got wrecked by Wordle today because. Connor, as I'm sure you know, we had the first three letters of our word arose. We had all of them match and all of them in position. And I did not get it in two. I got it in three. Wow. What is there even There's, another word? What did you guess? It's A-R-O-I-D or I-T, which was not a word that I knew. I was just I was just trying things and I didn't expect it to. Go All right. Well, everyone, the listener, you can feel bad for Bryce. Back to Andre, though, because now Bryce has interrupted our esteemed guest twice. He was telling us about his... I actually don't know where you oh, were going to yes. go. You were just telling us that you were listening to the I past episodes. I was just episodes. saying that uh, I was you know, watching your past episodes with uh, Eric Nibbler, with Sean Parent. Uh, Eric Nibbler and his dad, it turns out. Yep. Yeah, Otto, Otto Nibbler. That was pretty awesome. Um, and with uh, Sean and with Patricia and Chandler... And all these fine folks, and they had all these awesome, interesting stories. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to produce here? What, what what possible thing of interest could I ever say on this podcast? Are you kidding? All right. Well, let's, well, from there, or have you thought, wait, am I interrupting you now? Because I'm about to intercept and be like, are you kidding? Uh, but go yes ahead, say what no. you're going to say. I mean, you know, here's the thing. Um, I think that uh, the world has gotten a bit... Uh, Polarized in the sense that you either want to hear a story where you kind of like died and came back alive, 
or there's no interest, right? So there's this extreme, you know, I don't want a story of like some sub story from a kid who grew up in communist Romania. It's not like, you know, what's funny about communists uh, growing up on the right, on the wrong side of the iron curtain is, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, you, you were not in peril of death on a regular basis. It was just bad, like bad in a sense that, you know, you're like, um, not having good food, but you weren't, you weren't really like starving to death, right? You didn't have, uh, you know, you didn't have many opportunities. You didn't have much freedom, but it was like they would kill you. And it, the killing occurred like in the fifties, like with Stalin, the whole killing thing like became a thing, uh, that was, um, you know, uh, passe, right? Uh, but it became some sort of a sordid existence. And it, it was, um, you know, my identity as, a, as an Eastern European in, in America is a bit, um, you know, what, what crazy refugee stories do I have to tell? Well, none. I have like, you know, I, I arrived in America by means of a plane. I didn't swim. I didn't go on a log or a raft, a life raft. I didn't starve to, almost to death and that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm afraid that your uh, your listeners are going to be like, yeah, what do I care about this guy? What's uh, what stories could he possibly uh, come up with? Oh, I know that is false, <laughs> and I mean, I know I'm not saying that I don't believe that you came by plane, and I think you came by raft. Um, <laughs> what, what I mean is that. I know it's false that you don't have stories. But so wait, wait, let's... hang on. I just want to get back to the idea of traveling from Romania to the U.S. by raft. I promise the listener. I promise the listener. At some point, I will introduce who we're speaking to because there's like so half you, of you, you might would... not be C plus plus devs. But but wait, we'll let Bryce you, talk you about would, his raft. What's what's up? Cross the Black Sea, go through like the Turkish Straits. Yep. And then you'd be in the Mediterranean. And yep. then you've got to like go across the Mediterranean and then and then you got to like go past Gibraltar and then you got to go all the way to the US. That yep, is quite the raft journey. Yep. And you know the strait in Turkey has a really funny name. Do you know it? Oh, I don't know it off the top of my head now. Now, here's the thing, Bryce, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, so you guys maybe are going to help me. Dardanelis. That's, I mean, it sounds better than how I would pronounce it. It sounds plausible. Okay. The Dardanelli Strait. Yeah, that, that would be a, it would be a hike. It would be a hike by means, of course, of a raft. All right. So no raft, only planes. No raft, only planes. <laughs> and, you know, there is a, there is a kind of a, a true part of the story, which is when I arrived, I literally had 300 bucks on me. So I, I, that was it. But I had friends who helped me get there and who uh, had a job for me. And that was, of course, it made all the difference. I, I didn't arrive like a homeless guy in New York and you know, trying to make it on 300 bucks. So I had friends waiting for me and uh, they took me to their place. Great people. And uh, we worked together. You know, I, I, I didn't start at Papa John's, you know, unlike Chandler. I'm very, uh, I'm very sad to announce that uh, I don't do not have a Papa John's uh, pizza, um, you know, um, uh, worker experience. Uh, so I started as a programmer in New York in uh, 1998. In 1998? Yep. I was already programming for a while, but um, that was my first American experience. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to pause to introduce our guests for those of you... <laughs> Usually we have rough landings. We don't typically rough have... <laughs> Although that... 
that was actually that was actually the case with uh, when we had Patricia and Chandler on. We didn't even realize that we had not introduced them. We just started I, talking. Yeah, I noticed that. Chandler just started um, talking about his backyard barbecue. Anyway, so our guest today, Andre Alexandrescu. Hopefully, I pronounced that correctly. Awesome, you will. C++ devs are probably almost 100% familiar with the name. This man has a Wikipedia page. Yeah, this man has a Wikipedia page. Most I, Actually, I'm not sure if this is most famously, but the book, uh, Modern C++ Design, basically define a generation of template metaprogramming and started what ultimately has become, I don't know, Constexper, Metapro... Like, the journey all dates back. And here's, here's the sad thing. I haven't even read the book. Um, that's how... <laughs> we could have done our research. Um, although I have, I have heard, even if the book, the template metaprogramming, you're not going to do much of it. The first two chapters, I'm not sure what's in the first two chapters, but I've heard the first two chapters are timeless and you should read those no matter what. But, but so Andre was a C++ mogul. Uh, he'll tell us what he was doing before then and uh, has worked at Facebook, um, went on at one point. I think actually while you were at Facebook, you were working on the D language. Yep. And we'll get into this. So I'm not actually sure if you know you're one of the four horsemen of the Pacific Northwest C++ uh, user group. That's a term that I came up with awesome. on a past on a past episode. Bryce, were you remarking that maybe we could hire all four of them or try and get all four of them? You, you, don't you don't tell hire... people my strategy. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yes, that's because um, we we've, we've got half of them. Eric Niebler, yep. part of that other half, and then Walter Bright and Bartosz Maluski. Apparently, yep. the four of you. I heard this from Eric. When did I have lunch with him? for one of the first times it was either at a cpp con or at a committee meeting and he told me about you know how you guys used to go to the yep. c++ user groups and then you'd go out for drinks or just meet up for coffee on the weekends and there was this era of you know in in 2011 i i did that right. with with the four i mean, i don't i know maybe minus andre but i was it was in seattle for my first supercomputing conference the, the supercomputing conference which was in seattle that year um, and I somehow became aware that there was the Northwest C++ user group meeting up there, and I went, and I think it was at some place on Microsoft, uh, some Microsoft campus, and afterwards, uh, Walter, Eric, and I think Andre, and like some other people went out to some bar somewhere, and I went with them, and I was like, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure almost none of them remember that, because that was like very early in my career, that was like my, the first six months of my career, when I was still a little squirt. Awesome. I wasn't there. I'd moved already. Right, 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 right. So it was, it was, it was not the, 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 not all four of them. It was just Walter, Eric. Um, uh, wait, who's the fourth, Connor? Uh, Bartosz Maluski. Bartosz. I, I don't know if Bartosz was there. Um, no, I think he was. I think Bartosz was the one who invited Brad him. Roberts might have been part of the meeting. Uh, Brad was an uh, Amazon uh, engineer and he, uh, I think he retired by now. Oh, wow. We're going to, oh my, I see, this is the thing. This is not the most polished introduction because I'm so excited because. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a long-winded <laughs> introduction. It's, yeah, it's C++, modern C++ design. And then from that, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Yeah, Walter Bright went and did D. And then Andre, I'm actually not sure how quickly you ended up joining. And 2005, I joined Walter. Yeah, and then you were basically, you know, worked side by side with Walter, uh, did a ton of the, you know, algorithm stuff. We mm -hmm. mentioned that yesterday in an mm -hmm. internal meeting when we were sort of doing introductions that the chunk by algorithm that just got into C++23, <laughs> the name of that right. comes specifically from D. And you've, you've worked at Facebook, you've worked at a plethora of companies, and now you're at NVIDIA. Anyways, I'm going to stop this long-winded introduction. You jump back, I guess, I mean, we can start at 1998, and then we can just go from there and... Uh, yeah. 
Um, well, uh, linear storytelling, that's original. Um, so I don't know. It's, um, uh, I think, um, there's been a number of, um, and I think this is important for any, any, uh, anyone really in, and in particular, any engineer to, to make a few important decisions, uh, right. And sort of to get, to get the right, um, uh, angle. And uh, one one of them was to uh, to emigrate uh, to immigrate to the states, and uh, turns out that, that was a good decision. And uh, you know it, it it might as well be that uh, of course I had like friends and parents there and a comfortable um, uh, career already a pro- prospect. Uh, the country was getting already economically better by uh, by the end of the nineties. It was um, uh, there's this um, fall of the communism in ni- nineteen eighty nine. And there's been like a decade of turmoil, turmoil, but 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 by like the 2000s things uh, had started to improve. So and programs like um, in high esteem because they would work for international companies and they would be very well paid by Romanian standards. So there there, there was a situation. I know I know um, quite a few folks who actually um, chose uh, to turn down offers from abroad and they they chose to live in Romania. Um, so you know one good decision was. You know, I moved out. Uh, I moved to the states, and that turned out to be a good thing. Uh, and I did, so I worked uh, on Wall Street for a year plus, and then I moved to a startup in Atlanta. Turns out, again, uh, just by means of uh, friends who were there um, and interviewing and stuff. And are you doing C plus plus at this point? Still? Yeah, I was using C plus plus all through, and uh, in Atlanta. Uh, that company was called NetZip, and it got acquired by Real Networks. So I'm not sure if you even know. It, it, it's uh, it's kind of uh, it predates your your prime. Um, Real Networks was kind of a big deal back then in the 2000 year 2000, and it was the first company that did like audio over the internet and kind of internet radio and all that nonsense. And then uh, they switched to video, and um, I think that they became um, you know they're. They're still around, but they're a minor play, minor player by now. And you know, it's, uh... so at uh, Real Networks, um, they bought this uh, NetZip startup, and I got shares um, options actually back in the back in the day. There was not shares, so I got options. And at the time of the acquisition in January 2000, 2000 straight, my share my options were worth four hundred thousand dollars. Now you gotta you gotta figure out for somebody who like just uh, you know two years ago had three hundred dollars, that was like yeah, a pretty good return on investment on the decision to, <laughs> you know, to to move abroad. You know, so that was uh, pretty fantastic. And of course, you know we know what followed. So January two thousand was almost like perfectly the the peak of the market in, in March. By March, the market started to fall, and then uh, in you know essentially it all it all went to dust. And it's kind of funny how life uh, organizes these things for you because um, what seemed to be like the worst thing to happen turned out to have unexpected uh, good consequences. For example, 2000, uh, 2001 comes um, and essentially it's like, well, you know, uh, my options are worth nothing and I hate my job. It was like also like very political and whatever. So there's like a lot of like little unpleasant details about, you know, about what was going on. And it was all caused by the dire situation of the economy, right? The whole tech sector was messed up back then. But um, 
At that point, I was like, well, well it looks like I don't have much to lose. All of, all of those uh, good $400,000 are like, uh, <laughs> are not in the, in the books anymore. So, uh, and that was when I decided to join the graduate school. So I, I went for my, uh, for my PhD. So now, um, you gotta appreciate that most people, when they apply for a PhD, they apply to like many schools and they, there's a whole like process and everything. And uh, I have no idea about all that. I, I had zero understanding of the whole process. Um, so I did like like an idiot. I called like, what what is the university in my city? I was in Seattle. So what is a good university in Seattle? So, you know, somebody tells me, tells me it's like, oh, University of Washington. Turns out University of Washington is kind of a pretty big deal. Like it's a top 10 university in computer science. So, but I had no idea. And the, the funny thing is, the fact that I had no idea was my, what put me in. Because if I had any idea, I would have been like, they will never want me. I had no chance in hell to uh, get to UW. Uh, but because I didn't know, I just applied and I made it. So then, you know, the whole, uh, the sordid story of the next eight years was how I got my PhD in, in, in that university. And a lot has happened uh, in the meantime. I wrote my second book, uh, the Cyrus Codex Standards book. A bunch of articles, a bunch of papers, a bunch of... I got married, had a kid. Um, so a lot of stuff happened concurrently with my PhD. And um, all through, starting 2005, there was this um, unending passion for the D language, which uh, I worked with uh, Walter on for, uh, you know, for... So 2005, that would be like, what, 16 years by now? So that's a long time. And... Um, after Facebook, I, uh, you know, uh, sorry, after um, University of Washington, I, I finished uh, with uh, with my uh, 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 degree, which I'm very kind of, it, 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 that was kind of another good decision that, you know, do you want to do a graduate degree? And for some people, it's definitely not the right decision for me to turn out to be. So I'm, you know, very happy to have made that one decision. But you got to appreciate, um, Connor and uh, Bryce, you, you got to appreciate that. There, there, maybe in, in a regular day, me and any of us would make maybe a dozen or half a dozen or two dozens wrong decisions, right? But the point is they're minor, you know? So, you know, you make all these mistakes and little mistakes in, in life and, it, you know, in your code, the, not to mention in the code, you, bugs and all that nonsense, of course. I don't write bugs in my code. I don't write code. <laughs> not, not in prices. <laughs> Uh, but if you make like these like five decisions that are right, then uh, a lot of things are going to be a lot better. So it's important to figure out where the good decision should go, where you know where your decision make it, uh, making uh, input should go. You know, so maybe you know buy a bad car and it's it's not a great car and you can pay too much for it or whatever. It's, it's a bad decision, but maybe it's not the worst decision and it's not something that's going to have a huge impact. But whether you know you uh, you join a company or not. Whether you are going to go to school, stay in school or not, and uh, all of these, uh, you know, who, who do you marry and who, who do you have a relationship with, even what friends you keep and don't keep. These are kind of important decisions that um, need to, you know, you need to invest a lot in, you know, a lot of your mental uh, kind of awareness into. So anyway, so uh, after, um, uh, so straight after my PhD, I, I went with, uh, with Facebook where I've been, I've, I've had a good time. I don't think I've been ever at full potential. Uh, Facebook is a face-to-face -face company and I was one of the very few engineers remote. So I was at maybe 70% of capacity. There, the, the whole culture was not remote at all back then. 
and I'm, I'm not sure what uh, you know what what it's like right now, but back then it was like a rarity to have any employee who's remote. So you know it, it was a friction. So I had like um, maybe seventy percent of the potential. So I kind of you know I've been there, and it's it's been a, it's been a good experience. Um, it could have been better. I could have I could have could have done more, but uh, the whole circumstance with remote work um, was so so. And then I became an independent, you know, I kind of left Facebook and I became an independent consultant and I got really tired of it, which is weird. Um, like there are people for whom being independent and kind of just doing a training, consulting for other companies and, you know, it's good. For me, it's not. And I figured out why. And that's why I joined NVIDIA and I'll tell you exactly why. I got sick of it because I want to mooch. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'll explain exactly what I mean by mooching. <clears throat> I want to mooch. What I mean is I want to mooch intellectually off of other smart people. I want collaborations with folks who are, you know, as a consultant, you, you are by definition the, the person who is uh, giving. Right? So like, so we have this really difficult problem. So we're gonna bring in a consultant, right? Or our people need C++ training or they need algorithms training or they need performance, high performance computing training and we're gonna bring a trainer. So by definition, the trainers or consultants activity is solitary. So you prepare a loan and then you give, right? You, you share, you, uh, it's an, you know, you, you output value, right? And if you don't output value in enough value, you're not a good trainer or consultant. But as uh, you know, when you work within an organization with someone else, it's uh, you get too much. It's a uh, bidirectional. It's input and output, right? So you get to uh, enter these collaborations with folks, uh, many of whom, of whom can be better than you, and uh, you get to learn and uh, share at the same time. And that's why uh, that's why I was very excited to join Nvidia because. So many great people are here. Um, I was actually surprised to see, like, even I kind of had no idea you're at Nvidia, like until like the day before yesterday. Uh, so it's <laughs> I'm not kidding. I knew I knew of Bryce uh, because Eric um, mentioned it. Eric uh, was the first whom uh, kind of uh, I, I got in touch with about uh, about Nvidia, and you know it, it it was one of those things. Like, wait a second. So Eric is at Nvidia. Eric is a great guy. Nvidia sounds like a cool company. I didn't know much about it back then. I was like, huh, so, you know, let's, let's do this because uh, looking at my, at my life as a, as a solitary consultant what, was not very exciting. It, you know, you get blasé, you get like, eh, you know, I got a kind of, yeah, yet another course. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's good money, but it's uh, just, uh, you don't, you don't get to learn, you don't get to mooch, right? So mooching is a keyword here, folks. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna have to put the, that's going to be the start of the episode. Is uh, <laughs> why did I join Nvidia? Tamooch. <laughs> yes. And then people are going to be confused for fifteen minutes until they get to the part where the the follow up. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of funny how this whole thing works. Um, and uh, things like um, uh, this need to learn have a lot to do with it. And there are things that enter in in the picture, like uh, you know, features that I think are important for uh, for any person. Things like uh, humility, right? 
So I, I think humility is overlooked nowadays as a, as a human quality. So everybody wants to be like self, uh, whatever, self, what's the word? Uh, self-confident and like uh, self-affirming and all of these um, um, outgoing qualities. But humility, I think, is very important for a programmer. And humility, among other things, means uh, for, for, an, for an engineer is... Uh, um, kind of having a, a good recognition that there are a lot of people you can learn from and a lot of uh, a lot of things you don't know and um, figuring out what you don't know and what you want to know and what you know how to get there is is a uh, is a very important part of your development as a, as an engineer so um, yeah so humility I think is a, is an interesting quality that uh, should not be uh, should not be overlooked yeah I think isn't there um, Kate Gregory gave a talk. I want to say the title of it was Emotional Code, but one of the, if it's that's not the talk, I'll link it in the show notes. I'm pretty sure it is, Kate though. Kate is awesome, yes. Yeah, and one of the points she makes in that is, like, you need to be kind. Yep. Like, when you program, because, and it's not even, like, necessarily to your coworkers, it's to your future mm-hmm. self. Like, you know, in the moment, you can have all the context, you understand the problem, right. but, like, take take a step back and, like, think about future you, and that sort of ties into the humility thing, because, like... Uh, if you're just, you know, oh, I know what this is doing, blah, 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 you write it and then... Yeah, yeah, you, you can tell, like, you, you read code and you can tell how the person uh, writing it felt and kind of what they were yeah. thinking. And I, I can I can read code and I was, this guy had a really good time writing this code. Like, they had fun with the language. It, it, they had a good time and it shows and it, it, it uh, it's, um, you know, it's this uh, good disposition that it, it's uh, contagious and you get like a, a, a you know, oh, wow, that's really fun. So I like it. And you get code that is like, oh my God, I can't believe I got this to work and I hate it. And you can see that hatred in the code as well. <clears throat> and indeed, like kindness is a very good, <clears throat> it's a very good quality for, uh, it, and a good disposition to put yourself in when you code. And by the way, Kate is the, the perfect person to teach that kind of stuff because she is kind. Yeah, no, definitely. So what should we, I mean, I'm definitely curious to hear more about the heydays of Niebler, Alexandrescu, Bright, and... Bartosz, yep. But uh, I don't want to completely commandeer, Bryce. Do you, do you before we hop to that? No, no, no. I, I, got, I got a thing too, but, but let's, do, let's do your thing first. <laughs> I got a thing Actually, too. Actually, you know, I want to take this a different place. <clears throat> okay. I want to oh, confess. Oh, yeah, you, you drive, you drive. I You're want to confess. confess something. Uh-oh, yes. here we go. <laughs> this is going to be our best episode ever. I also want to ask you, and essentially, like by extension, your audience, like you know, and all of us would, you know, I have a, I'm, I'm having an open question for you know everybody. Um, what's the? How many of you have the imposter syndrome? Bryce is not. You guys, you guys are good. You're immune. Yeah, that's I awesome. definitely have it. Bryce and I have had this conversation. Bryce is from He's a Niyaka. And uh, he does not. Well, actually, I'll, I should let Bryce answer. I, 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 I definitely think I don't. One of the way, reasons that, like, I believe this is I, like, talking with, like, Connor or some of my other friends about, like, their first interactions with, like, big f- figures in the C community um, or, like, on the committee um, made me realize how, like, just completely unintimidated I am by people. The, the, here's, the best, here's the best analogy that I can give you. When I worked mm-hmm. at LSU, I worked under Hart McKaiser, who's a great C++ programmer and who was very charitable in mentoring me early in my career. 
I used to, when I needed to go talk with Hartman about something, or maybe I didn't even have something specific to talk about, but I would just go into his office. I would just barge in and I would just go sit down in the chair in his corner. And if he was doing something, you know, I wouldn't like necessarily interrupt. So sometimes I would. <laughs> After about six months of working there, he pointed out to me that like, you know, you just like, you just, you don't even ask if you can come in. If the door's closed, you just bark in. <laughs> just like you own the place. And I'm just that way about everything. I just feel like I belong everywhere. But Connor, Connor, you, you've talked in the past. Yeah, so Bryce, admittedly, is not representative, is very special. I, I mean, I'm not, I don't think we've ever talked about this on the podcast, but I live, I don't actually, I don't say that I suffer from imposter syndrome. Um, I just say that I have it. Like, um, mm-hmm. a part of the reason that I spend so much time consuming, you know, podcasts and, and lectures and CPP contacts and other languages is because like, I feel like I started late because I, I did something else early in my career. And I feel like I'm playing catch up with everyone, which admittedly, I think I've caught up, but like, I just, I have this perpetual, not fear, but just how, like, even at every level, you end up being in meetings where people are talking and assuming that you have a certain core set of knowledge that you don't. Mm -hmm. And like, I think part of being a senior engineer is having uh, feeling comfortable enough to like ask sort of not the stupid questions, but the questions that you're you're thinking in your head, oh, everyone else knows the answer to it. And that's something that Bryce and I have talked about that, you know, half of what Bryce does in meetings these days is, is, you know, sorry, can you slow down? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you please explain that? Whereas like, like that is like the difference between like certain levels of engineers is like having the confidence to like, I know enough that I know that like, this is, is a question that needs to be asked without being mm-hmm. afraid that you're going to look like an idiot uh, for pointing out that, like, you don't have something that it seems like people are like, oh, they've they've assumed that I know this. P- part of that is because, like, when you're a senior engineer or when you're in more so when you're in a leadership role within a tech org, or maybe just leadership role in general, like, it's not your job to know. Like, I shouldn't know the answer to that because if I, if I knew that, then like I, that would mean that I spend a whole bunch of time focusing on that instead of focusing on the other things that I was supposed to focus on. Like the person who, you know, like there's somebody in my team who's like, it's their job to know that. And it's my job to know, to ask them. And then like, it's sort of both of our jobs for them to be able to transmit the useful, like the thing that I need to know about what they're doing or about that thing to me. Does that make sense? It does, and you know, Bryce. It seems to me like you you have you're an unusual combination of a, a sociable, gregarious guy and and you know the introspective guy you need to be to in order to write code. So that's uh, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> that that I think I like to think of myself as that. Yeah, <laughs> that's rare. And Connor, you know, you do have a bit of like yeah, like zero point one percent of uh, kind of imposter syndrome. But dude, you're a ha- you're a happy go lucky guy. You know, I, I'm like. You know, I'm listening to what you say about your feelings and stuff. Man, you're you're a little kid. Let me tell you what imposter syndrome is like. Okay, so yeah, here, now we're going to get educated. Uh. (laughs) You know, so I have this feeling that, um, and I'll I'll be very honest here, like this is like therapy, man. This is therapy. Um, I have the feeling that, for example, I was interviewing, so one of my interviews with NVIDIA was with uh, Bryce himself, right? And I was seriously considering of, of talking myself down during the interview. I was like, because everybody's like, oh yeah, so here's the thing. So, you know, I put together this resume, which is like, like surgery, man. It's like, you know, it, it's like 
heart life heart surgery for me to write a, a resume because a resume it must look good in the resume right and uh it's very difficult for me to um to talk about myself in these like uh overly optimistic terms so then i was thinking like god oh, there's this interview and it turns out that the interviews were very um friendly like you know i didn't get us like hard questions nobody came to me and said you know resolve like solve uh, p equals mp you know or whatever so I came with the hard questions to me. They're like, uh, actually, Miles, nice and kind of trying, trying to sell the company, tell me what they do and that kind of stuff. And I was thinking, I should tell them that actually I'm not that good <laughs> as they think I am from my resume because the resume is too nice, you know, and that kind of stuff. And uh, in the end, like Nvidia made, made me the software and, you know, they said, um, oh, uh, we uh, you interviewed for um, senior research scientist but we think you're good for principal uh, research scientist. <laughs> I was like, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure you meant that? <laughs> so, so it was very funny. In, in the end, I made a pact with myself. I told myself the following. I think I didn't lie during my interview. I think uh, the resume is actually factually, the facts in there are at least like correct. There, there's no lie. There's no um, kind of, you know, big lie in there, right? Oh my God, big lie. Why did I say these words? So there's no like uh, ostensible lying in there. So, you know, they had all the information in hand when they made the, you know, when they made the decision to make the software. So I'll go with it. So here I am, <laughs> here we are, you guys. But I think, um, I think this is a, this is a, you know, a huge, uh, a huge thing on, uh, on my, uh, on my shoulder here. And uh, I, I noticed that many, uh, many other folks have it. That's why I wanted to open, uh, open up about it. And maybe other folks can relate to that kind of stuff. Maybe not many can. Go ahead. I, I certainly, well, 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 I certainly feel very comfortable in tech communities and I've never felt like I don't belong. Um, uh, I have, you know, I, I, the past few years I've switched into more of a leadership role at work and less of like a day-to-day -day engineering role. Um, and I think I'm, I'm not the best programmer by a long shot. Um, and I certainly think I feel some amount of inadequacy from that. <laughs> like I have some days where I'm like, did I do anything of value or am I just like, am I just like yeah. an executive producer that sticks my name on things? <laughs> right. Um, and, and I think like, like even, even when I was programming a hundred percent of the time, then I've had like a different feeling of inadequacy where I would be like, I spent the past three months working on X thing. And was that really valuable? Like, yeah, it becomes I really trivial anything? to you. Yeah. yeah. You know everything about it. It becomes trivial to you, but to everybody else is actually, oh, this is kind of like real heavy stuff. And it's like, no, it's trivial. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, yeah, I know it inside now, uh, out by now. Yeah. And, and it's like so. one of those, I think it's especially like given, you know, we as software programmers are very well compensated. Um, and, you know, sometimes like, I think I question like, are we just like very overpaid? Um, and like, yep. I think I sort of intellectually understand how I provide value to my company and uh, <laughs> at least on paper provide some form of value to society. Um, but, you know, I think that um, especially for people that set high goals for themselves, um, you also can be really tough on yourself um, and yep. you can uh, feel like you're not doing enough. And I think these are good question to, uh, questions to ask oneself uh, as, as a programmer. Like, you know, am I overpaid? And sort of by definition, because it's a market economy, you're not. 
So by by a very simple definition of supply and demand, you're not you may consider yourself lucky as much as like an NBA player may consider or like kind of baseball. I just read this thing about baseball. It turns out like 90% of the, the quality of a pitcher is like genetic. You just can't train it. It's just you're born with it or you're not. And you're either a great pitcher or, you know, also ran, you know. Um, so, you know, make us yourself lucky. You have like this uh, this particular thing that people uh, people want and need. And by the way, um, Bryce, that brings me to the, you know, the not the second because it's it's actually the most important. The reason I, I the first reason I, I joined NVIDIA was because I think NVIDIA is where the action is in, com in, in computing. And I think, um, I think, you know, we have humanity, like for the lack of a, of a more um, modest word, is facing these big problems and, you know, climate and, you know, what do we do is like all the plastic and, you know, energy and that kind of stuff. Like, you know, how do we solve these big problems? And it seems to me that AI is a big part of it. And, you know, I'm not an expert in AI. I, I've done some, but I, I can't consider myself on the forefront of, uh, of artificial intelligence. But at least I, I can provide shovels. You know, I, I can actually provide tools to people who um, who work on these important problems. And um, it, it's actually fascinating uh, to witness how NVIDIA has this um, um, breadth, you know, from hardware, oh, actually we own the compiler. We can introduce that feature if we need to, you know, which is kind of amazing because no other company, most other companies are like, well, we have GCC and, you know, by the way, you, you need to use like version nine because that's where we are right now. <laughs> you know? So uh, I think uh, NVIDIA is where the action is in computer science and in important problems to be solved. Um, you know, not to mention like things like self-driving, like, you know, the, that would uh, lift a lot of issues for humankind yeah. if we solve like uh, self-driving, you know, to perfection. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed and have a great day.